rising food shortages. Order. Question to the Prime Minister, Kelly Mahmood. One, please, sir. Uh, Mr. Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in the House, I shall f- have further such meetings later today. Thank you, sir. My constituents are fed up with the responsibility from the bankers and the mistakes that are costing the country millions. Would he accept, would he accept that these allegations, including the most recent against Sir James Crosby, must be fully investigated to restore confidence in our banking sector? Mr. Speaker, it is right that we investigated serious allegations that are made about the banking system. These are serious but contested allegations. In relation to Sir James Crosby, these are allegations that he will wish to defend. So it is right that he has stepped down as Vice Chairman of the Financial Services Authority. It is important that the Financial Services Authority show at this time that he is operating to the best standards possible. The Walker Review that has been set up will look at exactly these matters of risk management, remuneration and the performance of boards. Uh, and I, and I, believe, I believe that the system of regulation in this country can and will be improved. David Kalman. Well, they can, they can even plant questions at short notice. In the, in, the, in the last half hour, let us be clear. Let us be clear about what has happened. In the last half hour, Sir James Crosby, the man who ran HBOS and who the Prime Minister singled out to regulate our banks and to advise our government, has resigned over allegations that he sacked the whistleblower who knew that his bank was taking unacceptable risks. Does the Prime Minister accept that it was a serious error of judgment on his part to appoint him in the first place? Mr Speaker. The, uh, the allegations that were brought before the Treasury Select Committee were investigated by the independent KPMG in 2005. The allegations made by Mr. Moores were found not uh, to be substantiated. That was an independent review that was done by KPMG and reported to the Financial Services Authority. However, it is right that when serious allegations are made, they are properly investigated. No doubt the Treasury Select Committee will want to look at them. No doubt the Conservative Party will want to wait to see how that investigation takes place. And, 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 and Mr Speaker, the Walker Committee will look at every aspect of banking regulation which we know can be improved. The unfortunate thing is every time we've called for more regulation, the Conservative Party's called for less. The Prime Minister talks about the KPMG investigation, but it was after that investigation this bank virtually went bust. Taxpayers have poured billions of pounds into this bank. And not only was Sir James Crosby appointed as one of the top regulators in the country, and I have to say knighted by the Prime Minister for his services, the Prime Minister, the Prime Minister, the Prime Minister has been relying on him for economic vice. Sir James Crosby was the man who was going to sort out the mortgage market. So will the Prime Minister confirm that as well as standing down from the Financial Services Authority, Sir James Crosby is no longer one of his advisers? Is that the case? Sir James Crosby did two reports, one for the Chancellor on mortgages and one for me when I was Chancellor on security issues. He has completed these reports. He is no longer an economic advisor of the government and, 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 and has, only been so, has only been so in the context of doing two reports. I think, I think if I may say so, uh, we are facing very big issues in the economy at the moment. Uh, and 
I think the way the Conservative Party wants to trivialise them does no merit to the Conservative Party. Nothing trivial about asking the Prime Minister about the man he appointed to regulate the banks. Why can't the Prime Minister just admit for once that he made an error of judgment? Isn't, isn't this a big part of the Prime Minister's problem? I mean, Sir James Crosby's had the decency to resign. Why can't the Prime Minister have the decency to admit he got something wrong? Isn't this part of the Prime No apology about boom and bust. No apology about Britain being better prepared. Even the bankers have apologised. When is the Prime Minister going to? Won't you just admit, one more time, wasn't it a misjudgment to appoint him to all those roles? Order. Order. I told the Leader of the Opposition the term you is not permissible and you shouldn't use it. Order. Order. Be quiet. I've said this time and time again and I won't say it again. Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, yesterday he heard uh, the four uh, leaders of the two major banks that were brought to the point of collapse apologising for what they've done. If, if we had not stepped in to save the banks, I would have had to apologise for not taking the action that was necessary. But we took the right action. And I just got to ask him, on all the big decisions over the last year, on the judgment that he took on them, on Northern Rock, we nationalised a year ago, they opposed the measure we took. On the fiscal stimulus, where every other country in the world is acting, he opposed the measures we, 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 we took. On the whole range of measures that we are taking to deal with the fiscal stimulus that is necessary, including raising the pension and raising child benefit, they are opposing what we do. Uh, I think he has got to answer to the House himself for what he has got wrong. I'll tell him. I'll tell him about the judgments. I'll tell him about the judgments we made. Voting against VAT, that was the right judgment. Supporting a national loan guarantee scheme, that was the right judgment. Let's have a look. The Prime Minister says these banks collapsing was nothing to do with, it, with, nothing to do with him. Let's look, at the, let's look at the judgments he made when he was Chancellor. Who gave us the biggest budget deficit in the developed world? He did. Yeah. Who left us the most indebted, personally indebted country in the world? He did. Who set up the regulatory system? Who set up the regulatory system that has so failed? He did. Let's have a look. Let us have a look at another of the Prime Minister's judgments. The Prime Minister and the Chancellor, the Prime Minister and the Chancellor have told us repeatedly that the economy will start to grow again at the beginning of July this year. The school secretary, the man who was the Prime Minister's chief economic adviser at the Treasury for so many years, says, and I quote, we are heading for the worst recession in a hundred years. So does the Prime Minister agree with his school secretary? Well, well, first of all, let's look at the judgments that he mentioned. First of all, First of all, on VAT, the Governor of the Bank of England, the Institute of Fiscal Studies, have just said it was the right decision to make. There is more money in people's pockets as a result of it. It's only the Conservative Party that have always put up VAT that believe that the answer can never be to reduce VAT. And let's look at what we've done for business. We have introduced a loan guarantee scheme that is a billion, billion pounds. We've introduced a Bank of England facility that will start on Friday that is £50 billion. 56,000 companies have already benefited from the schemes that we have brought in. If we had taken the advice of the Conservative Party, no money would have been used. As Barack Obama said only yesterday, doing nothing is not an option. Well, let's, 
let's have a let's have a little look at who backs the Prime Minister's judgment on VAT. The Dutch the Dutch say it's not a very wise thing to do. The Germans say the, the Germans say the debt will take these are his friends by the way, I'm not getting on to his enemies. The Germans say the debt will take a generation to pay off, and the French president the French president says and I quote the Prime Minister the Prime Minister is ruining the economy. Uh, the honourable members shouldn't shout, shout down the leader of the opposition. It just, it's not allowed. It's not allowed. Well, Mrs. Keeley, you're usually very quiet and you shouldn't. I don't think you, I don't think you should push your luck. They should, listen, they should listen to the French President because this is what he says. They said, he said, the Prime Minister is, and I quote, ruining the British economy and he won't be repeating Gordon Brown's mistakes. What mistakes was he referring to? Mr Speaker, the one pro-European he didn't mention who supported the VAT rise is the Shadow Shadow Chancellor, the Businessman. Now, I, th I think it's remarkable that you have... I really, I really think we've got to look at this. It is remarkable that at the point where we need injection of resources most into the economy, that the Conservative Party is setting its face against ordinary families in this country having £20 more a month in their pockets. The people of this country will remember they opposed the VAT cut, they opposed the rise in pensions, they opposed the rise in child benefit, they opposed the extra billions that we are spending on public investment, and they did so in circumstances where they know that we have one of the lowest public debts of major countries in the world, not one of the highest. The Prime Minister just cannot get his facts right. The fact is, we have the biggest budget deficit of any country outside Egypt, Pakistan and Hungary, and two of them are already in the IMF. Let's deal with a few more facts he just gave us. My right honourable friend, the member for Rushcliffe, voted against the VAT cut in this House. The Prime Minister never gets his facts right. He told us the other day he was like Titian, age 90. The fact is, Titian died at 86. <laughs> what, we can see, what we can see in the government's response to this recession, they've appointed the wrong people, they've made the wrong decisions, they can't give us a straight answer about the mess we're in, they never apologise for anything. Now everyone can see the price that's being paid by thousands of businesses going bust and people being made up unemployed up and down our country. Isn't it clear that incompetence plus arrogance equals two million unemployed? Yeah. Mr Speaker, what did the Leader of the Opposition say to the Conservative Party? Conference. Everybody knows that businesses need deregulation. Who is standing in the way? The great regulator Gordon Brown. He he, he said, he said, he then went on to say we had to deregulate the wealth creators. Now, at this point, when he's now calling for more regulation, perhaps he would be honest enough to admit that he was calling for the last few years for total deregulation in many of the systems in this country. And, and as, far, as far as judgment is concerned, let me just say, his judgment on Northern Rock was to let it collapse. His judgment on regulation is to deregulate as much as possible. His judgment on the fiscal stimulus is doing nothing. In the decisions he's made on the global financial crisis, they have been wrong, wrong and wrong every single time. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The Prime Minister will be aware that it is almost 18 months since the Law Lords made a decision 
denying compensation to people suffering with plural plaques for negligent exposure to asbestos. Does he agree with me that we can only restore justice and fairness if that law lord's decision is overturned? Uh, my, my honourable friend, uh, I met him last week and we talked about this uh, very issue. It is very important that we get a resolution following the court judgment on plural plaques. The Secretary for Justice has been looking at this matter and talking to his colleagues right across uh, government about the implications of what we can do, and I can assure him that there will be an announcement very soon. Nick Clegg. Mr Speaker, uh, since the Queen's speech a few months ago, the government has been churning out, on average, three new announcements each and every day. Can you tell me how many of these new initiatives are actually being put into practice? I just said a few minutes ago that more than 50,000 companies are benefiting from the measures that we have taken. These are measures that include the, the new enterprise scheme. They are measures that include the working capital scheme that is, uh, that is being opened in the next uh, few days. And these are measures that also include uh, what we have done with the Inland Revenue and others to help people with costs at this time. So I hope he will agree that not only are we helping businesses in this country, but we are also helping people when they become unemployed, because we have put in an extra 500 million only in the last few weeks to help them. The final thing I think he will see is that the help we are giving to people with their mortgages is designed to keep the problem of mortgage arrears and mortgage repossessions down. Let's look at some of his big announcements. He said he'd get the banks lending again. They aren't. He said he'd get tough on bankers' bonuses, yet he's letting them keep millions in bonuses in return for a cynical apology. He said he would create 100,000 new jobs, yet with unemployment today standing at almost 2 million and rising, our young people of today are going to be tomorrow's jobless generation. Mr Speaker, it's bad enough being a do-nothing party. Isn't it even worse? Isn't it even worse being a say-everything, do-nothing Prime Minister? Yeah. Mr Speaker, I've, I've tried to explain in recent weeks. The problem with bank lending is actually the loss of foreign banking and non-banking capacity in this country. Half of the lending to mortgages and half of the lending to businesses came from that source. When that source uh, leaves, as the Irish, American, other banks have left the country or have run down the capacity, the existing banks have to do more. I can tell them that they are lending more than they were, the banks that we have, we have, we have uh, an interest in. But the problem is we have got to build out of a gap in capacity that existed because of the loss of foreign lending. So I hope he will understand that that is what is happening at the moment and we are trying to sign lending agreements with, with the banks. As for his uh, other allegations, if I had taken his advice, we would have made the wrong decisions. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. Um, it's right that there is outrage that the highly paid bankers who help create the current crisis are considering being paid huge bonuses. But would my right honourable friend agree with me that the bank workers at the lowest end of the scale should be pe not be penalised for their bosses' failures? The, what, what, what we have done since October, and I think it, I think it has got to be made absolutely clear is, first of all, any of the boards of banks where we have an interest, there are no cash dividends being paid, there are no cash bonuses being paid, and there are no bonus share options being paid. So each of the banks where we've taken an interest, we've laid this down as a condition. Equally, at the same time, I think, uh, I think the House will want to know that four, the four chairman and chief executives of the two banks we've taken over have all left. The board of HBOS no longer exists. 
the Board of Royal Bank of Scotland, seven people left in the last, in the last few days. So our determination is to make sure that the banking system is built on better fundamentals than in the past. As far as, as, far as bonuses is concerned, I'm aware that there are thousands of poorly paid bank employees in this country who rely on their bonuses. We have got to make sure, however, that we protect the public interest as we look through uh, what is being proposed by the Royal Bank of Scotland and other banks. But I can, I can, I can assure her that we are determined to make our banks not only clean of what are the problems that have existed, but also ones that operate on good principles where the result, re rewards are only for good, sustainable, long-term benefits that accrue to the company and not for short-term deals. Henry Bellingham. Speaker, does the Prime Minister recall that when the Home Office announced 15 months ago that over 7,500 illegal immigrants were working in the security industry, including one who was guarding his car, he and his ministers announced immediate and tough action. Can you tell the House how many have been deported? I shall write to him on that, sir, very much. Uh, what, 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 I do, what, what I do say... What I, what I do say is, once the problem was identified, we immediately took action. Got an option. Having visited Job Centre Plus in Washington, I saw for myself how the recent loss of 1,200 jobs at Nissan has been a bitter blow for the North East, especially after 10 years of seeing unemployment consistently fall across the region. Can I ask the Prime Minister to firstly echo my appreciation for the sterling work done by the people in Job Centre Plus, but can I press him further to see what more he and the Government can do to protect jobs and keep people working in the North East? Yeah. I'm grateful, uh, and it, it is right to say uh, that for every person who is uh, made, made unemployed, there is a sadness and sorrow, and we will do what we can to help people back to work as quickly as possible. It is right that employment has over the last 10 years risen in our region, but it is also right that the car makers and other industries are facing very big problems. Our determination is to give people help, help to stay in jobs where it's possible, help to get new jobs, and help for people who are existing unemployed people to get work as quickly as possible. I met the National Economic Panel this, mor this morning, the National Employment Panel, to talk exactly about these issues. And many employers said that as a result of there being 500,000 vacancies in the economy, they were going to be able to help people get back into work. David Heath. Mr. Speaker, in response to my right honourable friend, the Prime Minister mentioned housing. When he announced a mortgage deferral scheme two months ago, it still hasn't happened. He said he'd protect the low pays, and yet council, tax, council house rents are massively increasing this year. He said he'd increase house building, and yet only half as many houses were built last year as the year before. Is this a failure of management, or is it a failure of leadership? Yeah. Mr Speaker, on January the 1st, we introduced the new scheme that will help people who are unemployed with their mortgages. That is now working. At 13 weeks, people will get help with the mortgages. We also negotiated with a number of building societies and banks that they will enforce a moratorium uh, on the, the payments that are necessary to be made in situations where we can avoid repossessions. We are now bringing through the banking bill, which is in the House of Commons this week, the measures that will enable us to go further uh, and provide a better insurance scheme for people who have problems with the mortgages. I tell them we have taken the action that is necessary. We will continue to take whatever action is necessary. He should be supporting us and not criticising us. Yeah. Andrew Gwynn. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Extensive gritting took place 
uh, throughout my Greater Manchester constituency during the recent wintry weather, keeping roads open and services running. Contrast that with the chaos in our capital city, London, where the tube was closed and bus services didn't run. The Mayor blamed this on the divine. Does the Prime Minister think that this embarrassment was down to an act of God or the inaction of Boris? Mr Speaker, the the combination of the policy of the Mayor of London with the policies of the Conservative Party to cut public spending now mean that Londoners would be in a far worse position if ever we had the misfortune of a Conservative government. I think it should be pointed out to the people of London and the people of country that in a few weeks' time, if they were in government, they would be cutting local council funding plans, they'd be cutting police, they'd be cutting schools, they'd be cutting transport, they'd be making cuts to vital services at a time when people need these services most. That is the Conservative Party we know. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can the Prime Minister tell the House what steps the Government are taking to ensure that allegations of war crimes in Gaza are investigated by the International Criminal Court? Has the Government asked the the Security Council to refer these allegations to the ICC? Mr Speaker, the position is that, uh, first first of all, the United Nations Secretary-General has asked for an inquiry into what has happened, particularly to what happened to the United Nations uh, headquarters uh, in Gaza. And secondly, the Israeli government have announced an inquiry into their actions. Uh, I think uh, these are the two inquiries we must wait the results from. Bill Walner. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Would my right honourable friend share the pride of Grenadier Guardsman Scott Blaney from my constituency in Nuneaton, who has just returned to duties having lost a leg whilst on operations in Afghanistan? Would you also further agree that we should be doing as much as we possibly can to get some of our injured army personnel or all personnel back to work once they've recovered from their injuries? Mr Speaker, uh, my my honourable friend is absolutely right. I I visited um, uh, Birmingham where uh, people who have been injured in Iraq and Afghanistan uh, have been given help uh, to recuperate and to get back uh, into either the armed forces or into work. And it is a very moving experience to see the progress that people who have been severely injured have made. And I think the whole House will be proud of the 22-year-old guardsman, Scott Blaney, uh, who has been standing guard at the Tower of London this week, despite uh, all the injuries that he has suffered. And he is also a shining example of the bravery, the fortitude and the determination of our armed services. Dr Richard Taylor. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Would the uh, Prime Minister consider government help to enable medium-sized businesses to increase the pay to their workers on short-time working, as this might help to stem the flow of redundancies of skilled, possibly irreplaceable staff. Absolutely right uh, that in this area there are things that can be done. Uh, First of all, I would like him to look at the working capital scheme for these medium-sized businesses that will give them access uh, to working capital, loan capital, over the period of the next year or two. I would also remind him of the inland revenue scheme that allows a deferral of uh, taxation. But we are looking also at how our training grant system can help provide uh, help for half a day or one day a week uh, to allow uh, workers to be kept on in industries that would otherwise be laying people off. In each area where we can take action, we will take action, and I'll be very happy to look at any proposal he puts forward. Daddy Taylor. Mr Speaker, my right honourable friend knows that on Teesside, the 
renewables industry, the biofuels industry, is both vibrant and growing. The Teesside Ensis plant alone will reduce a third of the UK's bioethanol demand, and that's the equivalent of taking 300,000 cars off the road whilst using animal feed soy in a significant form, and this will reduce deforestation. I would ask my right honourable friend, what is the government... Uh, uh, order. The, the Honourable Lady must be fair to other backbenchers. When, when the supplementary is too long, it's unfair to the other backbenchers. Mr Speaker, because of our ambitious carbon, carbon emissions target, one for 2050 and one for the earlier period, we have a duty as well as a benefit from investing in the low-carbon industries of this country. And she's absolutely right. Where we can gain advantage from investing in new environmental technologies that will benefit either the car or vehicles or generally businesses in our country, it is right to do so. And we will shortly be publishing our proposals about how we can contribute to the development of a low-carbon economy for the future. Gary Streeter. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Thousands of dairy farmers wake up every morning throughout the United Kingdom wondering if this will be the day that the herd that they have so lovingly built up over their lifetime will be slaughtered because they react positively to a test for bovine TB. When will this urban-centric government put in place effective policies to deal with this dreadful disease? Mr. Speaker, as, as you know, the means of uh, dealing with this d disease has been hotly debated over, over the years. I'm happy to look at any proposals he has uh, for the future, but, but, but my, 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 my right honourable friend, the, the Secretary uh, for the uh, Environment and for Farming, has regular discussions with the National Farmers Union on these very issues, and the investment that we have made in rural areas would be cut by the Conservative Party opposite. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Will my right honourable friend commend the tarmac cement plants in my constituency for their announcement of 60 new apprenticeships this year, and will he commend the 100 businesses from Nottinghamshire and Derbyshire that came together recently to hear about the Train to Game project? Does he agree with me that investment in skills now, recession or no recession, is the key to prosperity in the future? Yeah. Uh, he may have noticed uh, an, an advertisement from the CBI and from other organisations saying it's time to invest in the future, it's time to invest in the schools of the future. And we are increasing apprenticeships this year as a result of the decisions we've made by 35,000. So there is not a cut in training during a period of a downturn. And we are investing more in train to gain to enable people not only to continue in work, to get the skills for the future. But I have just to repeat to the House, if we followed the advice of the party opposite, we would be cutting these programmes when they're desperately needed now. Angela Watkinson. Why has a former trustee of a secretive overseas bank that specialises in tax evasion been appointed to manage the taxpayers right, in our banking industry? Mr Speaker, he is acting chairman. He has not been appointed as full chairman. Desmond Turner. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I'm sure, I'm sure my right honourable friend would agree with me that we must not let the financial crisis deflect us from tackling climate change. And I don't know whether my friend is aware 
but companies involved in developing low-carbon technologies are suffering from the credit crunch and projects are at risk. Will my right honourable friend undertake to ensure that the government does all that it can to give these companies the support that they need to deliver? He's absolutely right. There's a growing low-carbon environmental sector in this country that we need to support. It's worth around uh, £100 billion, employs around 800,000 people, and we will do what we can to support it, even if the Conservative Party seems to have a huge disinterest in the environment now.